in both grief and divorce, the most important thing that I can guide somebody to is you can't heal on your own. You need the support, the wisdom, and the counsel of others. But most importantly, most importantly, you need the healing power of Christ inside of you. He is the mender of broken hearts. He is the healer of aching souls. Welcome to Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM and streaming at WERA.FM. This is Ed Mellick and I'll be your host for the program. No one shows up at the door with casseroles when your no good husband abandons you. You're an embarrassment and you're also embarrassed and people wonder about what kind of wife you really were. Death would have been so much easier than this. I read this quote online where people were debating the difference between divorce and the death of a spouse, and it's pretty insightful. Tonight, we're continuing our discussion with Steve Grissom, the creator of the divorce care program that has helped over a million people navigate the car wreck that is divorce. We'll be discussing this comparison, as well as the grief share program that Steve started to help people grieving the loss of a loved one. Steve, welcome back to Grace and 30. Thanks, Ed. Great to be with you. So let's talk about that comparison. I mean, simple question. Do you think that divorce is worse than death? That's a discussion that you can't win. Uh, If you have somebody who's lost somebody by death, having that conversation with somebody who's lost somebody by divorce, it's simply you can't equate them. They're both just soul-crushing events. People who are going through divorce do make this observation, and that is, if there is loss through death, you have closure, you have a service, you have a funeral, you have a casket and a burial. With divorce, the departed spouse is still around, may still be in your life, if you have children and you are uh, co-parenting them. So that's a distinction that is very important. Uh, It does potentially on an ongoing basis, open the wounds over and over and over again. Most divorced couples do have children. And I remember taking a hope for the separated class when my wife had left me. And that both people had been married before the, the wife of the couple, uh, she lost her husband to illness and the husband was divorced. And he just said to the class, you're going to, you're going to be dealing with your spouse, ex-spouse for the rest of your life. If you have children, like it or not, there's going to be every holiday, every graduation, every wedding, everything that happens, there's going to be some sort of a negotiation about, you know, where do the kids stay? You know, who visits who for what holidays and what they do and that. That adds a tremendous strain. And and the other thing is that the comments on this Quora website were fascinating, really insightful. But one person pointed out the adversarial court system, which, you know, once you uh, start battling it out in court, it becomes this proxy fight that can have, can be limitless in the amount of time and the money that is spent. And you've 
talked about that in your class. We just covered the finance and legal segment of divorce care in the class that I'm co-hosting right now. Are there certain things that stand out as, you know, other things that stand out as just being unique to divorce and really pose difficult challenges? Well, you mentioned the most important, and that is children. Children are the unseen victims in a divorce. Lots of attention is put on the warring mother and father, but those precious little children, whether they're young, whether they're infant age or older or teens, in every case, they are getting ripped apart emotionally as well. And so if you can keep your marriage together, uh, your children will benefit from that. If you can't, you've got to take special steps to minister to them. Yet yeah, it's truly is devastating for children. And, and not only the children, all relationships, people seem to not know how to react when someone's getting divorced. They almost feel like you or behave like you have some sort of a contagious disease that you might, that might rub off on them. Um, that's another phenomenon. You have difficulty engaging with family members you were close to. They pull back. Friends may pull back. Is this a, another significant issue? Well, I confess before I got a divorce, I'd look down my nose at people who were divorced and think of them as those people. And I was pretty judgmental. And then I went through it and I became one of those people and understood that I am still God's creation. I am still unique. I can be whole. And, and I, I don't have to be broken, but that, that ostracization that, that you go through it is almost universal in divorce because people just don't understand. They don't know how to help. Um, they may not want, they may think it's contagious, you know, well, maybe you'll give my husband some ideas or my wife some ideas. And, and so uh, they just, they don't want to be around the mess. You're, you're an emotional wreck. You need to talk a lot. And unless it's a very, very special friend, they're, they're not going to want to listen. Yeah, I guess so we, we find out who our real friends are uh, with something like this, because it's, it's true. We talked about this in the past divorce. I mean, people want you to heal and to change and get over it in their time, not your time. And, and we just have a tendency, I don't know, it's an American thing or just human beings in general to be impatient with, with a process like this. We just want it to be, we want the pain to be over with and the trouble and just to move on and get back to some form of normalcy. Um, are there any other things that, that are unique challenges for people divorcing that, that, are, that are worth considering? Well, when you separate one household and you now have people living in two households, a lot of people don't stop and do the math on what that means. Suddenly you've got two house payments, two rent payments. Uh, you have all, all of the expenses of maintaining a household now doubled. And so it becomes a huge financial burden for both parties. And uh, typically one party uh, struggles more than the other. 
especially if, if there's an imbalance in income or if we've had a stay-at-home mom who's trying to re-enter the workforce and uh, is unable to get a position or get a, a good paying position. So all of those dynamics of finances uh, can, can be gut-wrenching as well. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite scriptures is uh, Jeremiah says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. My pastor is fond of saying he, we have an infinite capacity for self-deception. And I think, I think in my case of my wife, when she left me, she didn't want to think about you know, the reality of the financial. In her mind, it was so unbearable in the marriage that she wanted to just get out and things would work out. I tried to say, you can't take X dollars and cut it in half. And, and both be living in separate properties and all things be the same. It's not going to be the same. There's going to be pain on both sides. And, and that was our situation. She was working a very low paying job and I was sort of the primary breadwinner. And, and it, was, it was just extremely difficult. And, it's, and I, I, I'm guessing that some people are just sort of in a state, in particular the people that are leaving, a state of denial. They didn't want to think about, they want to think about the things that justify their actions, but not necessarily the ones that, that highlight the fact that it's going to be difficult. I mean, is that a phenomenon you see where people are sort of, you know, they're itching ears. They want to hear the things they want to hear and, and to heck with everything else. Definitely. But the reality is that we have millions and millions of people who find themselves right now in that situation. And there's no easy way out. Um, there's nothing you can do to suddenly make finances improve. So what do you do in that case? And I don't, I don't mean to overly spiritualize this concept, but I think it's important. God knows our needs. God is our provider. Uh, if you are a single woman whose husband has left you, God is your husband. And I have heard case after case after case where Finances were dire, and the spouse, the, the hurting spouse, went to God and said, God, I need money for groceries, or God, how am I going to pay the rent? And I've heard so many times people tell stories of unique and special ways that God provided for their needs in ways that could only be attributed to him. And so if, if you're trying to do this on your own without bringing God into your situation, you really are on your own resources. But if you take your problems, if you take your hurts, if you give your heart to God and say, God, I can't do this. I can't survive then you have the creator of the universe and all of the resources available to him to be your provider and your sustainer during this time. You mentioned mourning, you know, if someone dies, you can mourn. You also, just a few years, I guess, after you launched Divorce Care, you decided to launch a program called Grief Share, where you're helping people to grieve the loss of someone, typically when someone dies, a relative or someone close I want to talk a little bit about that as well. I mean, can you tell us at what point you decided, wow, we need a separate program for those sort of people as well? 
Well, it was a real surprise. Uh, it was very interesting. We started after divorce care released, we started getting calls pretty quick from pastors who said, you know, this divorce care format is very helpful. It allows us to empower lay leaders to lead these groups, yet we know the content is reliable and solid. Now, what we need you to do is something related to grief. And, you know, I just scratched my head. We were a young ministry, and I'd say, I really appreciate that input, Pastor. And if we ever get to the point financially where we can pull that off, uh, that does sound interesting. Well, it took a, a few years, but eventually, about uh, five years after Divorce Care launched, we reached the point where we could do a program that is called Grief Share. And it's the same, same structure, the same format. Uh, you come to a weekly group, you watch a video with guidance on how to deal with your situation, you have support group discussion. And then you have a participant guide that has material that you interact with throughout the week between sessions. But obviously, the emphasis is on the, the loss of a loved one through death. And of course, Ed, right now, uh, the need for grief share is so, so huge. Uh, we've had uh, nearly 800,000 deaths now just in the U.S. And what the experts tell us is that there are about 10 people that surround somebody who dies who are what you would call the profoundly affected, the deep grievers. These are the people that would be at your bedside if you were dying. These are the people that need the most hope. And so what does that mean? That means that there are about 8 million people in the U.S. above and beyond the normal level of grievers who are grieving because of COVID. And so uh, the need is, is very significant. COVID grief is profound because many people couldn't say goodbye. They didn't have closure. They didn't have a classic funeral. And so uh, it's a very heavy load to carry. I've heard wonderful things about the program. What makes it, sounds like there's a lot of similarities between divorce care and the program, but what makes it unique? What things do you do with Grief Share that are unique to it and really have an impact for the participants? Well, there is grief in divorce, but there's obviously also deep and profound grief in the loss of a loved one, a, a spouse, a child, a parent, a brother, a sister, a close friend. And that loss is permanent. Uh, that loss can be sudden or it can be prolonged if somebody has a terminal illness that, that lasts over time. So each circumstance is different. Um, but it's the same with grief. We talked about people who are going through a divorce don't understand that there are others who could relate to their experience. It's the same thing with grief. Grieving people don't stop and think 
that there are other people who are going through a similar experience. They feel alone. They feel isolated. And that's part of the significance of being in a grief share group where you come together and you're around others who are going through their own grief. It may be through a different loss. Um, maybe, maybe one person lost a sister and another person lost a husband, but the circumstances align very closely and you can, you can relate to each other and you realize you're not alone and that there are people who understand and people who care. So that's, that's a very important thing to understand, but you, you get into some unique issues with grief uh, as simple and practical about if you've lost a spouse, what do I do with my loved one's clothing items? Uh, what do I do with my wedding ring? Uh, if you lost a child, we've seen people who just can't bring themselves to take their child's room and repurpose it for some other reason. It becomes a shrine for years and years and years and years. And I'm not saying that's wrong. That's a form of grieving. Um, it may be that after time, it could become an, an unhealthy form of grieving. Uh, but those kinds of issues are very high on the minds of people. In grief, we find that people will often try to make big life decisions quickly and without time to think them through. Um, they may give money away. They may turn money over to a predatory financial planner. They may sell their house quickly. I have heard a very sad story recently of a young woman whose husband committed suicide. And there's some backstory there as to why he committed suicide. But she is so angry at him that she sold her home, sold their cars, bought a new home, a new car, moved and made a bunch of other changes in her life very, very quickly because she was so angry at him. And I hope those changes turn out for her. But quite often when, when we make changes that quickly, mistakes are made and sometimes things have to be unraveled later. What is the most important? You've developed these programs. I think it's really cool. You, you, must, you have to feel good about how God has used you to create these programs that are a blessing to people when they're in really difficult, difficult times. What's the most important thing you know now that you wish you had known years ago, back in the early 90s and mid 90s and all as you're developing these programs? What's the most important thing that you realize now that, that you wish you knew then? I think in both grief and divorce, the most important thing that I can guide somebody to is you can't heal on your own. You need the support, the wisdom, and the counsel of others. But most importantly, 
most importantly, you need the healing power of Christ inside of you. He is the mender of broken hearts. He is the healer of aching souls. And without Christ in your life, without specifically asking him to come into your life, to forgive your sin, and to save you from your sin, and then heal you from your hurts, I just don't see how it's possible for somebody to truly, fully heal from a broken heart of that magnitude without Christ in their life. It seems like the theme here over and over in our two discussions is, is, I call it community, fellowship, community with God, community with others, others, whether it's for expertise and insight or just someone to be an ear, to, to show up and shut up and be there for you as long as you need them to be there. Is it, is, am, I, am I capturing that correctly? You are. You said it exactly. Now, here's the problem. It's hard to go to one of these groups, grief share or divorce care. You never envisioned yourself in this situation. You may be embarrassed to go or self-conscious to go. I had one lady who was a friend and I worked on her for months to go to a group and she just refused. She says, I can't do it. It's too embarrassing. And I, I finally, she told me, she said, okay, okay. I'm coming and you'll know who I am because I'll be the one with the brown paper bag over my head. <laughs> so, so what we like to say to people is expect to be a little uncomfortable, but don't be surprised if you don't feel really good after going, even after the first session. But under any circumstances, give it at least three tries before giving up on the group. Come to three sessions and then decide. And then you'll have no regrets about backing out too early. And the groups are designed so that you can start any week. If the group, wherever the group is in the 13-week cycle, start then. And then you can cycle around and come back to the group. When it starts a brand new cycle later, it's not unusual for people to go through a grief share group or a divorce care group, two or three cycles. And, and if we've got time, I'll tell people how to find a group. Please. For grief share, uh, you go to griefshare.org. That's griefshare, one word, griefshare.org. You enter your zip or postal code, it'll generate a list of groups that are meeting. For divorce care, it's the same thing, divorcecare.org, divorcecare, one word, divorcecare.org. And then you can enter your zip or postal code, and no doubt you'll find a group meeting near you, and uh, a good number of groups are also meeting online during this COVID season. So if you're concerned about that or don't want to get out at night, you can join an online group. And those are those are working really well. Outstanding, Steve. I really appreciate uh, you joining and you sharing that information with listeners. You know, well, I could talk forever on this. You know, I want to do a podcast with you guys. 
we should we should test something out um, because I think we could pick various topics and drill down on them in each discussion. Uh, but thank you for what you've done for heeding the call to create these programs. I, I'm on my fourth class right now, fourth group that I'm co-hosting, and it's um it's wonderful for people. It's really good. So uh, again, listeners want to find out more generally about Steve, the uh, parent organization that he runs all this out of. It's called churchinitiative.org. So you can check that out as well. A recording of this program can be found at the graceand30.com and wera.fm websites, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. And the show will also re-air on this station this coming Sunday at 8.30 a.m. This is Ed and Steve signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace.